Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're talking about making sense of conflicting economic data that's being reported by different government departments. One of the economists that I follow is Dr. Lacey Hunt. He's a former economist with the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, and he has some very interesting numbers to share. So I'm going to summarize some of what I heard from Dr. Lacey Hunt recently. Let's start with GDP, and then we're going to look at employment numbers, and finally, inflation versus real earnings. In economics, one of the critical concepts is that in the aggregate, what we spend must equal what we earn. In other words, gross domestic product should equal gross domestic income. And over the first three quarters of 2023, which is only through the third quarter, you've got record dispersion between GDI and GDP. Gross domestic product is up by 2.9%, but real gross domestic income is actually down by two-tenths of one percentage point. That's a major divergence. Now, debt is always a claim on future earnings. So if GDI is less than GDP, then we should see it manifested in the form of rising personal and consumer debt. Well, in fact, last year we did see a tremendous increase in debt. People talk about the resiliency of the consumer and how well the consumer did, particularly over the Christmas season and in the fourth quarter. But this was a debt-financed quarter. In the month of December, real personal consumption expenditures were up five-tenths of one percent, but real disposable income was only up by one-tenth of one percent. Eighty percent of that gain was financed by taking on more debt. A lot of it was financed by credit cards, and an amount yet to be determined was also through the introduction of a flurry of buy-now-pay-later programs, which are an inducement to encourage consumers to spend. But if the consumer has to be given all of these inducements, that's a problem. This is not sustainable, and it eventually come to an end. The personal savings rate in the month of December was a paltry 3.6%. Historically, the personal savings rate averages closer to 9%. And in fact, we're at the lowest personal savings rate of the last decade. There's just one reading in December prior to the pandemic where the personal savings rate was 6.8%. So the consumer has continued to spend, but they've been spending well beyond their means, paying very high interest rates in the process. So it's fair to say the economy is still experiencing a bit of stimulus here, but this time it's not necessarily being funded by the government or even fiscal authorities. Even though there's a lot of fiscal spending going on, it's being subsidized by debt. So the phenomenon we're seeing in gross domestic product is something that absolutely has an expiration date associated with it. It means consumers cannot do that forever, and they're basically going to hit some form of debt saturation, either because they can't afford to take on any more debt, or they're going to get cut off by their lenders. Next, when we look at inflation, the latest CPI numbers were published yesterday, and the headlines were all about how the CPI was higher than expected, even though the rate of inflation fell consistently, as it has done for the last several months. It fell to 3.1% from 3.4% last month. But the expectation from some economists was for a 2.9% number. So when it came in above that 3% magic number, the mainstream media was lit up with disappointment. The problem associated with the inflation over the last couple of years is that the basics for our lifestyle have been priced out of reach for a record number of people. And even if the inflation rate is coming down, it doesn't mean that things are all of a sudden more affordable. For example, if the cost of buying a family home or the cost of buying a family automobile, is now at astronomical levels. Yes, the rate of increase is coming down, but the price of homes hasn't reduced, and the price of cars continue to remain pretty elevated. Neither one of them are very affordable. There's various statistics on the automobile industry, and all of them are showing that automobiles are unaffordable. In fact, a recent study by Cox Automotive 
indicated that 61% of households are basically priced out of the automobile market. So the prices of things which are essential to enjoying a basic North American lifestyle are not really attainable any longer, and it's going to be a long workout process before the American household is going to be in a position to enjoy the things that they have been able to enjoy over the last several decades. The final area is a major disconnect in the jobs market. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics outputs the monthly employment survey which consists of two separate surveys. The first is the employment survey, what's often called the payroll report, where they interview employers and ask them how many people they hired. The second is the household survey, which queries families about their sources of income. Now, Lacey Hunt doesn't believe there's anything nefarious going on here or there's some kind of conspiracy, but we have some serious problems with the payroll survey, and unfortunately it's the payroll survey that gets the most attention. In order to understand this better, we need to look at how the payroll survey is put together. It has a survey component of large firms, and then it has an imputed model to pick up the growth of small to medium business. Over the last six months of the year, all of the growth in the employment survey has in fact been in the imputed sector at the same time as the response rate to the federal government of the survey that's being sent out to large firms keeps going down. Well, any statistician will tell you surveys become less and less robust and become less reliable if you have a survey where the number of people responding keeps falling. In this case, we have a survey where the surveyed component has become less reliable, and the imputed component is now becoming dominant. Based on this alone, there's reason to believe that the data might not be an appropriate indication of the true condition of things. Now, the household survey doesn't suffer from that problem. It's a large random sample of all individuals out there, and it's indicating that since September, we've actually had a decline of 400,000 jobs, whereas the payroll survey keeps pointing to this increased hiring month after month. Now, you might say, well, I've got to live and I'm going to take the payroll survey at face value. But there's two things happening here. Number one, the employment is going up and we're aware that companies are perhaps continuing to hire. But we also need to look at the average work week. Let's look at the number of hours. The companies say they're hiring, but they're making everyone work shorter hours. In fact, the average work week, which was as high as 35 hours back in September, has now declined to 34.3 hours. The gain in payroll employment in job equivalents has been completely negated by the decline in the work week. The index of aggregate hours in the payroll survey is basically unchanged, so the fact is the labor market is far more mixed than is generally believed. And with a large contribution from imputed numbers, it's very difficult to know which of these conflicting factors is going to be the most reliable. And then finally, we want to look at the unemployment numbers. These are not yet reflecting major increases in unemployment, but we have to remember there's a lag between a layoff announcement and people actually being considered unemployed. First, you've got to give workers a notice period, and in most cases, give them a severance. So from the time of the announcement is made, it could be three, four, or five months, maybe even longer, before the layoffs actually translate into lower job numbers. So even when UPS announces a workforce reduction of 12,000 people, as they recently did, it's going to take some time before that's reflected in unemployment numbers and the employment statistics. These apparent contradictions will continue to be present in the numbers for a period of time. The key is to look at all the numbers and not just cherry-pick the numbers that maybe some politicians want you to see. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 